the cultural shift that that kids don't really watch TV, they don't go to see plays, uh, they don't really sit down with their parents as much as, as they used to, and their sort of world is a bit more digital and removed. Um, so I think previously, youth would have been, uh, oh, that weird drama, probably wanted to be famous, should we say, wanted oh. to be in a film with Johnny Depp or, you know, the Brat Pack, something like that. I never wanted to be famous because, although film is interesting, the style of how things are filmed and sometimes filmed in not in a linear order was yeah. not really always my first love. So for, for me to do doing a play and producing like from beginning to end was a much yeah. better and a more truthful journey for me. I could get better results. But now I think that people want to be famous, but not actually from skills or talent. Like there's this reality TV. They oh. sign up to that or they'll become an influencer, um, which is kind That's of like a celebrity status with, with minor talents, you know. Oh. So uh, I haven't really kind of experienced any of my students like that, but I think oh. there's definitely a cultural shift. Hey everyone, I am Ajay Dambe, as you all know, I'm the host and producer of Pretty Audio Studying Podcast, and this is an interview with a very, very talented and hardworking artist, and she is part of our cast, The Knights of Avalon. This is how we met, and with one thing led to another, and I thought, oh God, she has good amount of, uh, she has done good amount of work, and the story is really good, I want to interview her. And as she was part of the project, then it happened. So, uh, first of all, let's introduce. Hello, hello, Samantha. How are you? Good morning. Very well. Thank you, AJ. Yeah. So, what's going on there in UK at this moment for you? Well, you might not be able to see, but we're completely covered with Christmas decorations because school's finishing. Yeah. And so... Um, Tell me about it. Well, it's not very cold in the UK. It's not like Sweden or something where... You probably guarantee okay. it's snow up north. It's normally quite grey and rainy. But we're yeah. we're just finishing school and so everybody's sort of getting into the festive spirit. The Christmas movies are coming on. Uh the shops wow. are packed. So yeah. spending seems to be going very well in the UK. Let's hope that's good for the economy. But um yeah, yeah just yeah. just a bit of prep. My kids are grown adults now, so um, yeah. we're we're actually taking a road trip to France, Belgium and Germany to do the Christmas markets. So uh, oh, we're really excited for that. Yeah, so we're not going to be home this Christmas. So, so, so uh, this uh, France, Belgium, this kind of tour you do every year, or this is the first no, time you're doing? No, it's obviously for us, it's not very fast to uh, to drive into France. We've got to go through the tunnel, which is very exciting. Um, yeah. But in four hours, you know, we're on the other side, comfortably having lunch, which is uh, which is crazy. Wow. It's very easy to get to... festive season. Festive season for you. Yeah, and they, I think British markets are a bit tacky. The ones like Belgium, it is beautiful. So, uh, and of mm. course, pancakes, hot chocolate, and <laughs> it's all very pretty. So we're excited. Awesome, awesome. I'm also excited, you know, for the Christmas. I'm a big fan of feel-good movies, Christmas movies. <laughs> I, when the December starts, I just go on Netflix and put all the Christmas movies on my list. And Netflix yes. also recommends me that, hey, this is movie. This. And I just put on my list and every day I watch one or two movies. Once I finish my work at the end of my dinner. So that's the thing for me. But this year, I'm coming up with a big project. So I'm finding a little bit less time to watch yes. movies and all. Uh, so before we talk about all your, uh, you know, 30 years of incredible career that you had, you did a lot of things. Uh, you are teaching at this moment. You are a coach for a lot of students. You're actress also. You're performing plays, theater, drama, movies, these voiceover projects. And you are spending time with your family. 
So before we jump on all of this, let's jump back to uh, Samantha in school days. Uh, the six-year-old, the eight-year-old, the 11-year-old Samantha. And how was she? What was her school life? What was her schedule? What, was her, uh, what were her dreams? I went to a little town school, Plymouth, which is where the uh, Pilgrim Fathers came from, that journeyed okay. to the Americas. There was a big okay. sense of tradition and history there linked with um, Elizabethan life. So mm -hmm. we, the town is on the sea. It's a big naval port um, where it used to build quite a lot of submarines and um, ships, etc. Okay. Always played big parts in the war, so uh, there was quite a lot of military presence, etc., in all sides. Um, the like north of of uh, Plymouth, there is what we call the Moors. It's very highland heaths, Stone Age settlements, etc. So great for going on school trips. It's also yeah. on on the um, cusp of Cornwall. Cornwall is a peninsula that's got a lot of sea, and you're never more than seventeen miles from the sea when you're in Cornwall. And there's a lot of folklore there. So uh, lots of my childhood was. Um, was play outdoors and I have a big interest in folklore which is why I was attracted to your project and um, your childhood was interesting the school was obviously a, a nucleus of of children's yeah. lives there were lots of activities going on there it, it wasn't a particularly well-to-do um, town money was was quite tight but um, we had a minibus so we would always get out unfortunately I was always the one that threw up in the minibus uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what is that like as well I can um, relate to that Oh, I was the awful can, one I at the can. back. <laughs> but, oh, um, shit. I, I think like six years old, that's a hard one. I just remember I cut my fringe once. So I always had oh. this fringe here. And I think yeah, I, I saw your headshot. I saw your headshot. It's, I guess, on Spotlight. One oh, of yeah. the headshot. Is that what you're talking about? As an adult, but I cut mine as a child. Oh, so I yeah, had yeah, one yeah. of those really <laughs> stubby ones. My mum had to okay. like, finish it off. That I remember oh, yeah, doing. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, my mum says that I never really had like, uh, the sort of big personality that I've got now, a bit socially awkward, and I can still be like that, really. Um, by so the time you were saying, like, you were kind of introvert, uh, yeah, shy, quiet. Yeah. But you, uh, what I get from you, you used to enjoy your school trips, I guess, uh, school rides to the school, the journey that you just mentioned, you used to enjoy it. So how were you, uh, uh, like, were you studious uh, in, in your classrooms or were you vicious? Uh, I was never particularly your... right, shall we say. I had a first, my actually, I remember my maths teacher in uh, Form 5, I think, so this is about 9 or 10, said to me, you've got to mm -hmm. think about something else other than tap dancing because when I was a child, I started dancing when I was 7, so I, was, I would just tap my wow. way around the school. So, wow. But I wasn't interested in maths, like, unless I knew how much I was going to get paid as an adult. I really just not interested at all. Um, so, yes, I spent 10 years dancing, so classical, like ballet, tap. 10 years. Uh, so that was, a, and used to compete as well, go to different towns. The, the dance school, we used to compete to one another and then, like, nationally. Um, so that was interesting. That's, that was all my hope. I did that three times a week and I wasn't allowed to take up synchronised swimming because we were too busy. <laughs> which I wanted wow. to do um but what was that like when I was about 11 by then I think I'd sort of started to come out of my shell a lot a lot of impersonations of characters and people on tv there's a okay. very famous comedian called Kenny Everett totally un-PC very uh sort of cheeky and rude and I used to always uh try and impersonate him come down with lots of clothes and bits and things on and give you know gives the family a bit of entertainment yeah. So yeah. by then, I yeah. think I'd sort of started to come out myself a little bit. That that's where you figure out. Okay, I'm going to do this. But but uh, like starting at eight, ten years in dancing, uh, you also loved uh, enjoying the comedy a lot. 
And at the same time, that's where you start thinking about, hey, this is the one thing that I can do and I can uh, take this seriously. That that was uh, the thing that I guess uh, you came up with at the end of the summing up the whole thing. So uh, what happened after that? Like, I mean, like oh, you became an actress, uh, which is performing theater more upon classical uh, plays and all. But uh, what happened with dance? Like uh, 10 years uh, going out to competitions, doing all those things. And uh, like, what was the switch to acting and not dance? That's a really good question. So classes got a bit more difficult, right? I basically reached the uh, the top of the examination um, sort of gradings. So I was now at the teacher level, which I never continued to continue the uh, to finish the teaching level. Um, okay. Yeah, lessons got a bit more difficult. I needed to start to work as well, trying to find the adult classes and also affordability oh, yeah. because I had to pay for myself. Um, yeah. By the time I was 16, I was um, at college and I had to choose um, um, some qualifications to do post-school because we didn't have to stay at school at 16 then like we do now. So I chose English and Drama. I did actually have one more, but I can't remember what it was. But in my <laughs> English class, I had the most amazing professor. A Midsummer Night's Dream was on our curriculum. And then, pow, mm -hmm. that was my love of drama. So as a kid, I wanted to be in like the black and white films, like with the tap dancing, where you look up underneath the glass and you've got the tap dancers uh, yeah. above. And you still got it. You still got it. You still got it. I still got it. It's, I'm a bit heftier now on my feet, but um, I still yeah. surprise some people. <laughs> Bring the yeah, tap shoes yeah. out. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Midsummer Night's Dream just sort of transformed my. It, it was. It was literally like the book. I mean, I love pop-up books. Like the book just went pow, and that is where my you know love of. Well, I already had a love of literature, but um, oh. yeah, the, yeah. I guess wanting to sort of be involved in that magic um, upon the stage really. That, yeah, that that caught your uh, magic on the stage that you saw. I, I guess uh, this only comes from watching plays uh, and uh, you know imagining, and maybe the those actors that you saw were very influential. Uh, that's what led you to hey, this is the some this is something I want to do. Uh, I guess that was the magical plays that you saw, and that led your more attention towards uh, drama theater. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, now we jump on to your three years of uh, acting degree, like. Uh, a bit about your time at the Act Academy of Live and Recorded Arts, uh, yes. ALRA, uh, what do we say in short, ALRA, and how it shaped your foundation in acting. I mean, like, uh, were you completely immature and entered three years done, completely uh, changed uh, the whole point of view on acting, theater, drama? How was that transition? That's a really good question. So I was 19 when I went, which was still quite young. And they were very much um, in the kind of mindset that the older you were, the more life experience you would get to be able to yeah, apply yeah. to your, your to contextualise the situations. Absolutely right. And we did notice the difference between 18 and 19 year olds. Um, the school, the school uh, actually uh, left, it left the system like two years ago, which is a real shame. Um, mm. It's always sad to see these amazing places close down. Um, so I've written a few things down here. So basically my, the course I was on was a three-year actors course, but we also yeah. were one of the only schools that you got trained in the live, because it's called Academy of Live and Recorded Arts. So mm -hmm. we actually got to work on film, um, TV. We also did radio work, which I absolutely love. Um, well, that's why you signed up, I guess. That's why yeah. you signed up. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. the spoken word and, and the style of acting that you have to sort of put on uh, for, you know, it's not naturalistic yeah. really. Um, so, and also we had to take a course in literature. So 
we were reading a lot of plays and uh, and sort of contextualizing genres, and that helped put some context into the plays that you're doing because you're 19 and you're playing something that's got quite a bit of depth, etc. So um, I still bring some of those elements into my teaching now. I do quite a lot of green screen. I do uh, radio plays with people, etc., with, with kids, uh, just the fundamental stuff. Um, but I think the one thing that really stuck with me was sort of the the fact that the school really wanted you to go back to basics. So learn the fundamentals. So when I start to teach children now, I really start to work on fundamental skills within the theatre, you know, the parameters of the stage, stagecraft, etc. Um, because it's not a natural concept for them. You know, you normally got the kids looking the wrong way and uh, entering the, yeah, that happens, the wrong that way. happens a lot. So, yeah, so it's teach. You only learn how to do things by practice you know they're not instinctive mm -hmm. nobody is born knowing how to perform in a yeah. in a theater you have to go over and make mistakes and i think that that's one thing that you sort of touched on earlier is that we we, we get to somewhere by practicing and being yeah. and being allowed by allowing yourself to make mistakes but, because uh, so, so, otherwise so, so, you build so no instinct yeah yeah that that's what one thing you saw the mistakes uh, you, you got to make mistakes a lot of mistakes uh, when 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 you're training uh, and that's what uh, I guess now you're teaching kids uh, go through the mistakes and learn and then uh, make sure you don't repeat those mistakes. So I guess uh, this is one thing that you're still following up at this moment and also passing on it to the kids uh, that just go all wrong. Just make sure you do all those things that you are thinking instinctive and then you figure out what's good, what's bad, what's not going in your way, what's mm -hmm. going in your way, then structure yourself and then pull it out. So that's how you uh, covered your three years and now you're doing it. But uh, 1993, I guess, I saw a beautiful picture of yours on Instagram. My guess, I was researching about you. You sent me those links. Uh, that's a beautiful picture. I'm going to put it here. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah, tell me about that picture. Tell me what was uh, going on. It was the best uh, photo shoot, I guess. I can't see it. Is, it, uh, is are you displaying it? No, 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 not not here. <laughs> uh, okay. Once once we are editing, once the edit is happening, and once we are there's um there's quite this. a few on there anyway, but I think like the earliest ones we had those. I guess it was mentioned. If I can just go on. 1993 LA. 1993, yeah, yeah, 1993. Yes. LA, yeah. Uh, was it 93? Actually, I think it was 92 because it was the summer before I was finishing oh, okay. up university. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not university drama school. Yeah. So my friend Sharon and I, we wanted to spend a bit of time in the states in our, mm -hmm. you know, um, in our holiday. So okay. we were going to sign up for Camp America to go and work mm -hmm. with the kids, but our holiday was too short. So we decided just to go on a road trip, which we did. Okay. And we ended up in um, in LA, as you do, uh, backpacking. Mm -hmm. And we oh. went to have some photographs taken. And so uh, some of those are very lovely. You know, you'll look back and, and think, oh, that's, that were, that's the way I'd like to think of myself when I was, you know... Um, yeah, when I was younger, the idealized. Oh. Oh, um, yeah. I'm I'm very grey now, so I have a slightly different colour on here. Um, oh. But yeah, it was great fun. Um, Mitchell Rose, he was called. It was it was very American, very dramatic, and yeah. he just took us under his wing. In fact, he, when he realised we were staying at the YMCA, he said, "Come back and stay with us." So, oh. and when you're young, you just do things like that. So, um, yeah. so we had the photographs taken, and it was a great got experience. It. You know. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, so now we jump on to your uh, 1997, uh, I guess 1999, uh, Bakhe Theatre. Is it uh, the proper way to pronounce? It's Bakhe? Please help. Uh, well, it's actually uh, it's actually a Greek word. But, like if I was to anglicize it, Bakai. Bakai. Okay, Bakai. probably tell me something different. So, so, so how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? Bakai? 
back. Okay, good, good. I, so, uh, I think it's actually Roman because it's the Roman version of Dionysus. So he's the god of wine, uh, literature, theatre, yeah. and all things bad, should we say. <laughs> so Ooh. when I I went to do my degree, I, I, I after I was sort of working in theatre and education, I um, mm -hmm. which is where you sort of tour schools and you take plays in and teach them um, an issue, or you you actually um, you know do a, a play in front of them and do question answer yeah. after. Yeah. Um, I was also doing other parts of theatre in London, and I realised that I really need to con more contextualization about the text and I really I was kind of hungry for validating me playing those Shakespeare roles when I had no idea what they were what I was saying so oh. so basically I decided to go into a degree so <laughs> I spent my time uh, three years um and I did some drama in there but it was very left field and after be spending time training as a classical actor I wasn't interested in avant-garde stuff so I do then in my Second year, decided to just drop the drama and just go all for the literature, a literature in language with a focus on classical theatre production. Um, and then my love of, of like Greek uh, theatre, uh, Elizabethan, so not just Shakespeare, Marlowe, oh. uh, etc. Mm. Um, oh. I really wanted to produce that type of theatre. And so I, I, yeah, I went to my professor and said, look, I've got this idea, it's fringe theatre. In mm -hmm. London has kind of off West End, which is smaller venues, and then they have like pub theatre. This is what we call fringe theatre. We're on the fringes of society. And invariably, you're splitting your profits, etc. Um, and I and he said, "Well, what interests you?" And I said, "You know, I really like the Greek and classical stuff." And he said, "Well, go for go for that." And he helped sort of formulate uh, with me. And then we put on our first production of The Frogs by Aristophanes, yeah. which is a comedy. Um, it's a, it's a part of a trilogy and it's a, a comedy, a political comedy, uh, where they send yeah. up gods and uh, figures, etc. Um, very, very good fun. Got it, got it. So, um, this particular thing that you do, but it's all women. So, what's the thought behind it? What's the idea with women? Just women. Yeah, so basically when we... There was... It's very... It's much harder for women I mean, like, to get... Is it, is it uh, like, why you came up with this or... Uh, what is the thought behind just all women uh, culturally, classically in Bakaya theatre? Absolutely. As, I'm curious about it. Yeah, so the, it, the, I would imagine, <laughs> hazard a guess, that most of the plays, the, the ratio of female parts to men's are a lot smaller. Also, the roles that are available are ordinarily for men. Um, oh. So this is quite frustrating okay. for women because there's okay. probably a greater percentage of female actors in the net you know, in the network so you know i wanted to turn upon the concept of the boy player which is where mm -hmm. elizabethan uh, boys would have played the parts of women um mm -hmm. and it, so that's what i did i i cast uh, well we've cast a lot of the plays with all women and also is the ability to be able to cast myself in the roles that i want to do yeah, yeah, and yeah. be able to produce and direct oh, them so i have producers. complete autonomy over that um, right. but, but there's the why more women is simply because they're more grateful. They're more grateful. They've got a better attitude. They work yeah. better and they don't always require pay, shall we say. Okay. Yeah. I get it. Uh, the one thing I agreed, I, 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 I came up with, okay, this, this is be like male characters are a lot of there in the play and female are one or two. So there's not a proper, uh, satisfaction to a female, uh, artist, uh, to perform at a range in any play. It may be one or two getting the chance, but not all of them. That's where you came up with this theater, where every female character gets proper range to perform and proper range uh, to execute and play and, you know, grow uh, in uh, becoming a better artist. 
So yeah, mm-hmm. this is what I was looking for. I, I had no idea that this is unique. This is unique. And great yeah, job I would that. love to um, to play Hamlet, something like that. That would wow. that would be a really great. But at the time, we, we were producing um, Taming of the Shrew. That that was mm-hmm. an all female cast, and okay. young women as well, probably all under thirty. So we would play not just the men but the old men as well. Very sort of stylized, uh, stereotypical sort of representations. After all, Taming of the Shrew is a comedy, but it's very ironic because the end of the play is where Procup. Petruchio conquers Kate, the shrew, or does he? Does she conquer him? And it's a bit ironic that you've got a woman playing the part of Petruchio. <laughs> so ultimately, it isn't a man that that um, tames a woman. It's the woman that tames the man. This is great, you know, when you come up with uh, switching that part, you know, just breaking those odds and just uh, having a bit of creativity. Hey, what would happen if I did this? Well, that, yeah, creates and- a, that opens a lot of doors for you. At the same time, uh, this our little play was playing in South London. Uh, Mark Rylance, a very famous London uh, actor who ran the Globe, yeah. was actually yeah. performing. I, I forget which play it was, but I think it's playing Queen Margaret in one of the. What, but I can't be be sure. Anyway, the Evening Standard newspaper saw our listing because we used to have to list it in the newspaper, and okay. um, and they came down to interview us. So I've actually got a piece of uh, a newspaper clipping with all of the cast, and this must have been. 97 98 and a comparison with mark rylance in the globe and it was very endearing for and uh for them to interview this and do do a, a sort of comparison the the boy player and uh and yeah. The player. yeah wow 97 98 and now 2023 how is the uh, graph of evolution of vacated uh from yeah. 97 to 23 how what are the things that it, in short can you some can you tell us about how yeah, you evolved over the years yeah, constraints on my time are, are a little bit more difficult um, because mm-hmm. then I was sort of turning out maybe two plays a year, which doesn't sound like much, but um, sure. it does take quite a bit of, you know, yeah. balancing out life, should we say. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And now we've had the blessing, even though the COVID experience was some, somewhat ho- yeah. horrendous, the aspects of it came out that were positive, so being able to work on Zoom. So we yeah. play-read um, a lot through the different lockdowns which was great because okay. then we had done most of our rehearsals online and i yeah. live 40 miles from london so i didn't have to have that commute blah, blah blah we just got together a couple of days and bashed the plays out um so that's that's one positive thing however it's yeah. i i feel that it's more difficult to enroll people now without any pay uh, without any sponsorship you know rights mm-hmm. are about 70 pounds per per play uh, yeah. per performance and um you know you need a good bit of money behind you before yeah, and, and, and I, I need obviously you need sponsors exactly even though i'm an actor and i love to produce and direct i don't want to actually yeah, yeah, pocket yeah. everything to ultimately split it because at the end of the day you know i'm i'm still a performer so there's constraints yeah. that way um things have evolved um i think there's less sort of option for fringe now uh, I do try to get involved in a bit more touring theatre. So where we are, we're on the cusp of like three different counties. So it, that's so regions. Um, so it, it's quite fun when I've toured to take um, the plays into different regions. And we have gone, I had a little minibus, um, a little red camper van called Priscilla. And we did Canterbury Tales Made Modern. And we yeah. were all hippies and we, we all jumped out of the camper van. So this was our stage. And yeah. we performed this at village pubs. So really like the traditional uh, player that would come in in a yeah. cart, pop the cart open. 
Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, we did this at sort of um, agricultural centres mm. where they were educational ag agricultural centres. Yeah. And so we've been trying to tap into different pl places to perform, really. Yes. So, so well, what led you to establish Daisy Chain Drama? Uh, Daisy Chain Drama, I guess. Uh, yes. Employed after school drama clubs. Uh, uh -huh. How did it evolve over four years? Uh, just put a thought on that, like uh, Daisy Chain Drama. Yeah, so for me, um, I, I felt there was a, I had something to offer and I know that, that theatre schools really only started in the UK, and I don't mean dance mm -hmm. schools, probably the mid-90s, Stagecoach being the most famous one. Yeah, and yeah. I'd started to work for uh, one local company and then I sort of set up in my own, well, I was living in South London, so schools are normally within a mile, uh, several schools within a mile, so I just approached the schools. Um, offered them this new specialised service, really. And then the concept of Daisy Chain is very much with how I like to lead the group. So we, we'll start in a formation, sort of holding hands if they're young, and we'll finish in okay. that formation. It gives that sense of unity, and that's where the Daisy Chain kind of came from, really. Wow, that's good. That's good. And that's really beautiful. Okay, uh, here, here's the one thing I'd like to know. Uh, your involvement with al Rasiha Trust uh, and oh, the yes. music... And singing. Uh, yes, I say that same. Or local Islamic children in Southland. Uh, so tell me about that uh, involvement with the uh, children's and all. Yeah, this was what this was a big challenge. What was the experience? It was it was very endearing. Um, basically, it's a British school, so mm -hmm. it but it's very predominantly uh, it's intuiting, very predominantly Muslim and. Uh, I, I, I'm not really sure what kind of branch, but let's say a very high, um, okay. the children uh, all have to wear their headdressing, etc. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, so because it's a British school funded by uh, Br British money, yes, it's heavily mm -hmm. financed mm -hmm. by um, other trusts as well, uh, religious yes. trusts. Yes. But it's compulsory that they deliver their national curriculum. And in the national curriculum, you have your music and your singing to give well-rounded children. Obviously, it can be quite marginalised. Um, mm -hmm. And also singing with, within Muslim society can be considered as haram, so um, which which is like not good practice. It, it's just haram. It is when it's a it's a practice that is forbidden, basically. So mm -hmm. we had to be very creative, uh, myself and the team. Um, luckily, the the other person I worked with who played the piano was able to create music. So most yeah. of the music was the instruments that were permitted, and the content was about either the, the prophet or uh, about figures that were influential. Um, just like us singing about, uh, you know, Jesus and yeah, sheep yeah. and everything <laughs> at the moment that they're all doing in the nativity. So yeah, um, yeah it was a, it was a big challenge. We had a little bit of. Uh, yeah, yeah. push and pull from some of the parents and some of the children as well, which is a bit upsetting. Oh, you kind of yeah. want them, if you come into the UK, you, you want them to have some freedom, not be marginalised mm -hmm. in the same kind right. of way. So, um, yeah, it was very lovely. I went in on a year's contract to try and bring that school up to a certain standard, uh, which <laughs> is what we managed to achieve. So they achieved the rating because they achieved that criteria within the music in the department. Wow, that's cool. Uh, now, here's to jump on, uh, before starting back at theatre, what challenges did you face in achieving suitable parts as performer? And what advice do you have for actors dealing with similar frustrations, you know, in the industry? Uh, like, how you guide them? Like, I guess there's a part that feels still like you were not able to perform the way you wanted to. That's where the back theatre came into action. Yes. And now, uh, I guess there are a lot of, because this is this is kind of feeling every artist go through. So what advice you give to them at this point? 
Yeah, sure. So at that time when I was sort of um, in between drama school and university, applying for, for roles, I used to have to subscribe to this newsletter that was printed in red so you couldn't photocopy it. It's called PCR. And um, PCR would have all the job listings that come through the post. You would, mm -hmm. in order to apply for a job, you would have to send off your CV on lovely paper. Um, obviously, a big envelope, a glossy photograph, the one that you were talking about, and each job would cost you £2.50 back then. So that was a lot of money to be sending out each week, mainly not to get a response. And so, yes, it is quite disheartening. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and the world's opened up a lot more. There's a lot more sort of online work, uh, voiceovers, yeah. etc. There's, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And there's a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say sort of minor uh websites for you to go there's alternative places for you yeah. to go to to be involved in things um yeah. so that was one of the reasons why i set up black eye as well because i could produce what i wanted and then i could give myself a nice reward which was normally the part that i wanted to play yeah yeah also you get to perform there's no surety of you're going to play a part and then uh there's no surety of uh, you'll get to perform and you wanted to perform because you are an artist and yeah. uh, if, if you are an artist, then there's a lot of frustration if you don't get to perform or do it. So just sitting is not uh, good enough for any any artist. That's why this theater helps a lot of uh, women, I guess, female artists to, you know, just go out there and perform. Uh, and then uh, this is how you evolve. So I guess that's what you did in 1997, 98. And yes. now, now it's more of a good opportunity for like there's a lot of... Uh, crazy stuff happening after OTT came into action. There's a lot of things happening uh, in the uh, media, drama, entertainment field. Uh, you perform a lot of plays, okay? So you perform a lot of things. Uh, and you do it in different platforms or different stages and do different kind of dramas at the same time. So is there any superstitions that you follow? Is there any superstition that you have like, hey, I'm going to wear these socks, this uh, <laughs> shoe, or I'm going to add this handkerchief with me. It was before. Is there any ring that you have? What's your thought on all of this uh, superstition? In short, no. However, oh. there's always, okay. um, you can never say Macbeth behind, I don't know whether okay. you've heard this. Um, so you have to call it the Scottish play uh, because some people are very, very superstitious about saying Macbeth in the theatre. What um, happens after this play? Like, yeah, go on, go on, tell me, I'm curious now. So I don't know where it came from, uh, whether it was a historical figure back in the in the day that was playing Macbeth and something happened. But mm -hmm. yeah, some people are very serious about it and you you don't say Macbeth in a theatre. That's all that's the only that's suspicion, that. but it's more for me, it's more a little bit comical. So 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 tell me, what's your procedure once you uh, uh go for audition? Is there you pray, uh you chant, uh you do something special that you know this work last time i'm going to repeat it before my this audition what what you have with you yeah i mean your mindset it really depends you know it's a bit like going for a job interview as well some day some days you're in a good place sometimes you're just yeah, not. yeah, yeah. That, and sometimes really things work <laughs> and yeah, sometimes okay, people are like yeah, yeah. why isn't that work today <laughs> um so oh, yeah that's 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 really confusing uh to uh, anyone right it yeah, yeah. And, and if I do kind of uh, repeat something, I try to always make sure it's very fresh, like like mm -hmm. I've just come up with it, especially for that job or something. So um, what I do is I try to have my my words on a flashcard so that I have printed them all onto flashcards. And then eventually the I'll have minimal on minimal words on the flashcard. And those are the ones that I need help with. Okay. Um, 
like particularly with repetition, if a, if a sentence begins with things that repeat itself, it, it can really throw you. And uh, so, yeah, that's that, that's the practice that I do on the post-it notes or something. to try. But I also listen to my, so I'll record it um, on my iPhone and then I will listen to, it depends what kind of learner you are. That's the yeah. practice that, that I will do. Yeah. Great, great. I also heard uh, there's one of the uh, actor I know from UK also. I guess you are in the contact. His name is Wayne Reed. Uh, so I know I don't know if you know him. He also does the same thing. Uh, just record the thing and then keep on listening again and again and again. Uh, that really helps. Uh, so uh, here's the thing: uh, teaching drama versus practicing drama. How you find balance? Because you teach, and this is a good a good amount of uh, time involvement yes. thing for you. Uh, a lot of hours are spent in teaching kids because mm -hmm. they are small kids, and this needs proper time. And you teach basics in this way, you know, uh, something yes. that shaped the career of any artist in their childhood. You know, in yes. doing a thing. That's the thing. That's where you need to spend a lot of time. And now Absolutely. this is your teaching. And uh, now there's also you perform. You are a performer. You perform like you did this project. Uh, you did Knights of Avalon. You are performing plays in different theater, in different. How do you balance that part? Yeah, it is hard. As I said, if I'm producing plays myself, then there's only so much time that I can devote to that because being a te I'm a head of department as well, so I'm head of drama. And mm -hmm. so there's quite a lot of responsibility with that. And and everybody knows that a teacher has a lot of work to do that, that's not in yeah. the classroom. Um, yeah, like 300 reports. <laughs> so, um, Balance-wise, it's difficult because like when I was working at, um, at Al Rizala Trust, it's in London, it, it was say, it's a two-hour journey because the, the roads are, are single track, they're still Victorian yeah. roads. And mm -hmm. even though I'm an hour from London, there's a lot of um, traffic between here and there. Yeah. So, and the traffic, so, traveling was the biggest headache for you? It is a big, like now currently my school is seven really? miles away. And so it's like 15 minutes. That's a, that's a real mm -hmm. blessing. Because it's, it's such a waste of your time. Um, yeah. Yes, I can listen to my my plays and podcasts and things yeah, in the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's difficult balancing everything anyway. Like I tend not to go into London to do yeah. much because A, I can't afford to take that time off to rehearse um, yeah. because of being, you know, being a full-time teacher. I can't... Um, yeah, well, what else can I not do? I, obviously, it's just time constraints. You've got your family yeah. is, you, you know, I've got it's a family as well. But confused, like, what are like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of things, it's a lot of things, I guess. It's, so, it's, it's, you've got a good amount of time management, you know? Yeah. Uh, you're uh, good in that management. Uh, that's why I guess you are going on a holiday. That's how yes. you've got time. You are uh, excellent in that. Yeah, you there'll be things I'll be doing while I'm away, sort of planning the yeah. next production. Maybe, maybe the teacher part is helping you. Maybe you being a teacher is actually helping you in managing time uh, because, you know, you are guiding people. So you're guiding yourself also. So you're managing your time in proper ways so you can execute. And that's really great, uh, uh, like great part that you have added on with you as a quality. Uh, and that's really good learning for all of us who's going to listen to this part. Yes. Uh, so, uh, like... You know, as an artist, starting from your career, you thought of becoming an actress, then it didn't work out. Uh, then you started your own play where, you know, you got uh, to be that actress that you were looking for, you know. Uh, so there was a, a highs and lows and then you're figuring out time. It's not like, hey, this didn't work out and then I did this. It's not that. It's never that. It's like no. it goes up and down. Then you go through a lot of uh, ups and downs and the graph goes and the blood pressures and the frustrations. And then you come up with something where you think, okay, I can do this, and it works. 
Now you go through that whole phase and then you come up with another thing. Then you change things. A lot of things happen. So the graph of an artist and your career within 30 years is ups and downs, settling, happiness, going down again, the frustration, everything. So in this highs and lows, what is the philosophy that you have with you that gave you back here? Is there any mantra, any philosophy, any kind of teachings that you... Because it happened yes. at a really young age. It's not like you started 2023. It started yeah. at 1997. So what is the philosophy or what is the preaching or what is the mantra that you have uh, that made this happen? So what I say to my kids is keep doing what you love, keep doing what you enjoy, because by then you're being truthful to yourself. Um, and by just starting out and doing things that are small scale, and my son's finding this now with his career, is that it leads to bigger and better things. And it makes yeah. you a happier person as well. Like being an artist, not always a, the best paid, or even being a teacher, the best paid sort of jobs in the world. But fulfillment, and I guess I've been teaching for a very long time, is always yeah. the things I want to try. So, yeah, just keep focusing on that next thing and keep yeah, keep being true to yourself. Great. Uh, this, is, this was great hearing from you. Uh, and... Now, here's the thing. What qualities do you believe are essential for success in both the educational and the theatrical aspects of your career as an artist? So if any artist, if any newbie, if your student is listening to this, can you just guide him? Perseverance, I would say, because uh, as I said, I wasn't really particularly academic. I had to go back mm -hmm. and like re-study things and yeah. just keep keep trying. I've had right. to sort of um, get qualifications a bit later and um yeah because some people can be very very bright and intelligent and yeah. uh i guess not get the school results that they need they just work in a different way and maybe maybe i was a bit more like that so maybe my the way that i functioned was perhaps not sort of typical in an in a educational establishment um yeah, i now enrolled to do um an ma in english literature next year which is distance learning which mm -hmm. means i can do it from anywhere in the world and I have autonomy over this degree because it's a degree that you can pick any module and you can mix and match it, et cetera, as you end up with a degree that suits you. And so to think that I would have come this far, and, and I'm 53 now, to then be doing an MA at this stage of life, to some might yeah. seem crazy, but for me, it's a great use of my time because the modules are so interesting. You get to study the language you get, yeah. and uh, like all the different tribes that have come into Britain and how this influenced language and the yeah. culture and the history. So, um, yeah, perseverance, I would say. Perseverance. To try and keep trying a lot of times. That's one thing that you highlighted a lot. Yeah, uh, one thing, I've got a life goal, which is I would love to go to Italy to do this course <laughs> in the Commedia. Yeah. And Commedia is a masked traditional theatre of yeah. um, Italy. Uh, so I would love to be able to do that at some point. Um, one summer, three weeks of it. So yeah. keep my fingers crossed for that one. Yep, yep. I guess it's it's going to happen. Just give it time. <laughs> Manifest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, there's there's one unrealistic expectation aspiring actors. Most of the aspiring actors have some X kind of Y Z things are going to happen. That's why they enter the field and then they come up to, then they see the field and then their heads are blowing out. What the hell is happening? Uh, so they go through that phase. Most of them. Okay. So there's unrealistic expectations. So a lot of students come to you also. All of them are new, trying to figure out. You also try to tickle their brain. Hey, what this guy is thinking? What this girl is thinking? Okay, let me check for what they have in the mind of related to acting. What they have 
what thought they have uh, before coming to my class or thing. So how you guide them through this expectations and how you guide them like this is what you should do and mm-hmm. this is not realistic. This is not you should aim for. What do you uh, preach them or teach them or guide them? What is that? So I think there's there's a void within uh, a culture. There's a cultural shift that that kids don't really watch TV. They don't go to see plays. Uh, they don't really sit down with their parents as much as, as they used to. And their sort of world is a bit more digital and removed. Um, so I think previously, youths would have been, uh, oh, that were into drama, probably wanted to be famous, should we say. Wanted oh. to be in a film with Johnny Depp or, you know, the Brat Pack, something like that. I never wanted to be famous because although film is interesting, the style of how things are filmed are sometimes filmed in not in a linear order was yeah. not really always my first love. So for, mm-hmm. for me to do doing a place and producing like from beginning to end was yeah, much yeah, better yeah. and a more truthful journey for me. I would get better results. But now I think that there people want to be famous, but not actually from skills or talent. Like, like there's this sort of reality TV. They'll just oh. sign up to that or they'll become an influencer, um, mm-hmm. which is kind That's of like a celebrity status with with minor talent, you know. Oh. So uh, I haven't really kind of experienced any of my students like that, but I think that there's definitely a cultural shift within this. Yeah. Yeah, people don't really want to work for their living anymore. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it, I get it. So, so you're saying that this kind of business model they follow, like, hey, just have a minimal talent, getting into reality show business model, which will help them to get more money and business. Just have a normal celebrity status and lifestyle. That's that's the one thing that you came up uh, that you experienced around people. But yeah, you the people you like you get into your classes and all uh, all like have a good side side of mindset. They know why they are there and they know uh, what expectations they have and how they want to proceed. That's that's really good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay, okay. And uh, now here's the thing. Please tell us about your school, uh, survey school, I guess. Uh, uh, what are the future things happening? What are the current thing happening? Uh, please go yes. ahead on quickly on Surrey School. Yeah, this is exciting. So I ran a franchise of um, Stagecoach, which I mentioned earlier, which is a leading theatre school in the UK. So I did that for about 15 years while I was having having my children. So I was able mm-hmm. to be home with them. And then um, on a Saturday, I ran the business. But okay. um, it got to a point where I was only seeing them on a Sunday. So I sold up the business. And then um, I sat there and thought, right, what am I going to do? And as much as I loved putting the full shows on, um, mm-hmm. I realised that it was it was more the drama aspect that I was particularly interested in. So oh. I it, it, in London, there's a drama school called Lambda, London Academy mm-hmm. Music and Dramatic Art. They run mm-hmm. uh, examinations for children from, from beginning to end. And so yeah. I then started to approach, like I did with J- Daisy Shane, the local mm-hmm. schools run their after-school drama curriculum uh, freelance um, mm-hmm. and also direct their plays, etc. So the, the end of year, end of school plays, whatever. So I have been doing that uh, since uh, 2012, I think. And okay. so we've seen children go from the very beginning all the way up to, to the end now which and, and become yeah. uh, teachers themselves while they're at university. They're teaching the curriculum. So I've now trained my, my own teachers. Um, so now we are um, we are working currently on Sunday. We're working on, you're going to love this. So we have got a historical backlog of all the exams that they've done. And we are now recording them to put them onto Spotify so that they have wow. a catalogue of all of That's their work. Good. 
Um, and they've got because these these are drama kids, you know. You get your sporty yeah. ones. This, this is yeah. what they get, these kids love. They love a progressive yeah. and a progressive teacher. And I, even though I consider myself to be of a fair age, I'm progressive yeah. in my thoughts. So once yeah. we've nailed that, how to do it, mm-hmm. where it's going to go, and all the idiosyncrasies, yeah, 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 yeah. we will then move on to YouTube, and we will then have a catalogue of because there isn't always a go-to place for kids to see what other kids have performed and get some ideas. Yeah. And I don't mean copying. Oh, I mean get yeah. some valid. I mean I have a look. On YouTube and some of that is pretty poor, but you know mm-hmm. they've got it out there in the forum. So that really is what I'm going to do. This curriculum is okay. going to change next year, and I mm-hmm. am formulating how to deliver the lessons online mm-hmm. using AI and VR, which nobody oh, has great. done. So, great, great thinking, great thinking. Go ahead, it's it's going to work. Go ahead. But it's in the nucleus, so um, yeah, it will yeah. take time, but yeah, it will happen. Don't worry. So yeah, that's where we are at the moment. That's good. That's good. And uh, if any kid uh, who's looking to be a part of uh, our pro, our podcast in coming times, you know, drama and all, uh, that would I'd be, be happy amazing. To, I'd be happy to have them. You know, any kind of projects you can use that as you know portfolio thing. And I love to be a part of uh, if if Surrey School is having some kind of collaborations where the kids again be to drama, present themselves in that time. I can produce that drama, put them on our show and. We can have that thing going on also if, if that's I think thing. that's really important, AJ, because the kids yeah, need to yeah. have that connection. They're very excited yeah, about yeah. getting their stuff onto these platforms. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And also, you know, they're being trained to work closer to professional practice. So if they get to do yeah. podcasts, they're realizing they're putting it into practice. They're not into, just into uh, yeah, they're not just intellectualizing about a maybe. So that would be very great. That, that's that's one thing that's why i once i was researching about yourself i came to know i saw the pictures of the kids and performing certain kids at lamda i guess that you talked about and i thought hey this could be a thing and uh, we could have some collaborations for mm-hmm. the kids and they can have their projects going on and this could be a good collaboration if, if this uh, is the thing that the school is thinking then i can be a part of it. so right. yeah in future if you have anything just let me know i'd be happy to help you out Thank also you. now uh, now coming on your upcoming plays uh, with Packet Theatre or any independent plays or any other production plays, please tell about it. Yes, so we we were working on a play called Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Saw which that. is a real pastiche. Um, it's kind of like Stepford Wives meet like the LGBTQ oh, yeah. Um, yeah. society. And so it's a yeah. very, very funny feminist play. So five women set in the 1950s are at the village um hall and they're presenting their quiches to be uh to be presented and in, in this competition the quiche is a euphemism for a certain thing um yeah, yeah. and um we were we were putting this on uh london surrey which is where i am and brighton for the brighton yeah, um, yeah, yeah. fringe festival and of course the british rail decide they're going to do a strike so we can't run trains so within a week and a half, we had to pull the the production. We were f- yeah. ready to go, which is so frustrating. So we're just waiting for the next festival coming up and we're seeing if we've been given permission to um, shortlisted to go into that. And then we can run the other um, plates in different places, at, you know, in that run. You want to have uh, a bit of yeah. a run at it. So that's where we are at the moment. Great, great, great. Uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, if you could convey one piece of advice for aspiring actors entering in the industry, any actor who or actress, you know, a female, 20 year old, 20, 19, uh, she wants to be an actress, she wants to be in theater, drama, films, television, mm-hmm. 
uh, she's looking to do it. Uh, you have 30 years of experience. You have your ups and downs, uh, your setbacks, you going through those setbacks, coming after it. Uh, now that kid uh, or that girl or that boy is looking to enter in this industry. What advice you'd like to us? What advice you give? Yeah, within British society, in villages and towns, you have something called amateur dramatics. So you have mm -hmm. a committee that puts on productions. Um, oh, I would say, to, yeah, they, they, there's there's lots culturally within the UK. I would say get involved in your amateur dramatics because normally mm -hmm. it's the young people, the sort of yeah. uh, early twenties that they get the roles. And so I would wow. say do as much of that as you can because it's free training, absolutely mm -hmm. free training. Train, train, train. Uh, spend your money. Don't think that you can just wing it. Lot, yeah. I see lot, on lots of forums, do I have to go to drama school? Well, you know, do you, do you, would you have to go to university to be a doctor? Yes, you do. You, know, you can't just always learn on the job. We're not all that lucky. So I would say spend your money wisely, get some tuition. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. do the Lambda exams as well. And don't go to drama school until you feel that you're going to get full value out of it because uh, it's expensive and yeah. you need to be totally focused and committed on that. Yeah. So that's that's it is expensive, you know, once once you get into academy, that, that the courses are really expensive and for less amount of uh, time, uh, four months, five months, maximum, max, six months, one year is too high to. So, so if any newbie, less amount of uh, you know financial background with a lower financial background can join amateur theater groups and plays and whatever you guys have and actually train themselves actually uh, make uh, themselves a better artist great to hear I, i'm hearing this for first time it's it's good to hear about people there's there's thought of having a separate groups for amateurs also that's that's awesome yeah. uh, now here's the one thing there's this is the last thing uh, i forgot to ask was uh, your first setback uh, how you uh, what was your first setback and how you uh, came, uh, overcame that, that, that whole period? Uh, any idea, anything that you remember, can you share yes. with us? I would say once I was auditioning for drama school, I, I probably wanted to go to one of the most famous ones. And it was sort of being too impatient to get the right training and get up to, to audition scratch, really. Um, so I think that that was, and that's some of the advice that I've said, be, you know, prepare yourself, take your time. And um, I've actually forgotten the other one. <laughs> but yeah, okay. prepare, oh. take the time, spend the money uh, on it as well. You know, it's, pay somebody who's professional to help you out yeah. but then in between that it's a bit like paying for piano lessons and not practicing in between you have to practice so yes you've got your you're paying for your tuition but you've got to practice in between as well as well so that would be something i'd really um that that yeah that's yeah Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being uh, part of the Knights of Babylon. And you, now it's not done at this moment, but I hope you do it at the end of the day and send me the file. But thank you so much for, you know, at that moment, you just, you just, you message me, hey, I want to be, I message you, hey, are you available for a call? And you just said it and we had a good video chat and that's how this thing happened. I came to know about you uh, via your website, your work, and you're doing really great job. I'm inspired by you. Uh, the way that the 30 years and how you started it and how you took an initiative just for female artists and they should have something. I'm going to have it, but there should be something for these uh, actresses too. Uh, they should evolve it. And that thought is really inspiring. That's the uh, breaking uh, the thing, you know, that, that that's that's something that you also think about others at the same time, not being uh, so selfish. It's like having a selfless thought 
and selfless initiatives to starting a Bekhe theater, something like that. And uh, this is really good and inspiring for me also. I came to know a lot about you from your websites and all. I'm going to mention all of this below. Also your social media handles so people can go check out and follow you. Uh, also from people of your community can just join your uh, classes, take coachings. Uh, anyone who's looking for it just can just go and visit your websites and then can have, uh, uh, you know, chat with you and connect with you. So yeah, it was good journey. And uh, I never thought it, this would go this way. But yeah, it was a lovely interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. AJ, thank you for your time and your positive words. And um, yeah, I look forward to getting the recording to you today. I've got a tiny weeny cold, so I need to go and uh, prepare myself. Okay, okay, no problem, no problem. Thank you, thank, thank you so you. much. Uh, hey everyone, I am Ajay Tambi, the host of Producer of Pretty Your Studying Podcast, and now I'm signing off. <laughs>